This week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. This week, we are talking about Westworld, Season 3, Episode 8, the last episode of the season. I'm joined by Gerald, Anija, and Maggie. Say hello, everyone. Hello. And um, this is going to be a full spoilers podcast, as usual, so if you don't want to get spoiled by Westworld, it's fine. Probably switch off until you've watched Westworld. If you don't care, then keep listening. We're going to be talking about the season finale of Westworld and all the juiciness that it entails or lack of. Um, firstly, before I move on, Jerry, um, do your weekly tell us what the episode's name is thing. Uh, this week's episode, the finale for season three, is entitled Crisis Theory. Okay, Crisis Theory. And before we get started, I'm just going to sort of go through a quick summary of what actually happens in this episode so that everybody um, remembers. I mean, this episode went to air, I think, on Monday of last week. So it's been a good six days and we've had a few days to kind of think about it and digest this episode. So what happens this episode? So last episode, what happened was that um, Dolores hit the EMP at this um, insight site, <laughs> like the place where Inside keeps all the outliers, the people that they don't want to disturb their system um, in cryogenic stasis or whatever it is, right? So um, there was a showdown with Maeve and Dolores at the Inside site and Dolores hit the EMP button uh, so that uh, Maeve wouldn't kill her and then kill Caleb, I guess, or something like that. Anyway, so this episode starts exactly where that left off. Caleb takes Dolores's mind grape, her little pearl, and rides off on the motorcycle, and um, Serac sends someone to pick up Maeve as well, right? So basically we go from that fight, and this episode is basically a, like moving, more moving characters from place A to place B. So, I mean, what happens with Caleb and Dolores is that Caleb... Um, somehow gets back to the city and is told by Dolores's Siri app thing that basically helps her do everything that he needs to find some warehouse he finds the warehouse he finds a whole bunch of spare backup gear that Dolores has had stashed away for a rainy day and um, that gear uh, is basically a second body for Dolores, right? But not one of the organic bodies now she's in a proper Terminator frame body right? So he puts her in the Terminator frame body. Um, and what happens from there is basically Dolores reboots and tells um, Caleb that he needs to get to the InSight headquarters and use his USB stick of doom and upload whatever is on the USB stick of doom into the big round Rehoboam AI. So this Basically, the gist of this episode is them trying to get from point A to point B, point B being the Insight AI, and in that process, you know, there are these firefights, and, like, Dolores basically, at one point, is confronted by Charlotte Hale Dolores, who is now her own independent thing, and has announced that she has a mad-on against original Dolores, there's a big firefight around that, and then Maeve tracks Dolores down, and Dolores tells Caleb to go off by himself, and then they, Dolores and Maeve have another fight, and then Dolores gets captured, and then Caleb meets his old friends, and there's a riot in the streets of wherever it is they are, and then somehow Caleb breaks through the riot lines, gets into a um, police... Cart, not chopper. Just a chopper. Yeah, whatever it is. The futuristic fly thing, and somehow that takes him into insight. Yeah, so there's that whole storyline. There's a second storyline, which is basically Bernard and Stubbs. <laughs> Stubbs, who has been shot by the man in black. <laughs> right? At the beginning of the episode, man in black is still holding up Bernard and Stubbs. Um, the cops roll... Uh, like, the man in black shoots Stubbs. Uh, <laughs> 
course he does. Yeah, and <laughs> basically, the cops come, Man in Black runs away, the cops turn out to be, one of the cops turns out to be Lawrence, or Dolores, who is dressed up as Lawrence, who's infiltrated the cops somehow, and is willing to walk, let Bernard just walk away from the scene. Um, yeah, so Lawrence tells Bernard to go visit some place, Bernard complies, like... Stubs for this entire time is just bleeding out, and Bernard does not give a crap, right? Um, he, Bernard, actually, like, you know, we'll get into this, but I actually think the end of Bernard's story is pretty, like, it's probably for me the only really interesting thing about this episode. Bernard visits his old wife, Arnold's old wife, and they have a moment, and Bernard is basically, um, Bernard is given the opportunity to work through his backstory and progress as a realized, conscious individual, right? Which I think was interesting. Like, probably the most interesting thing that was talked about this episode, really, right? From a sci-fi perspective. But um, anyway, so that happens. Um, Meanwhile, back at the um, corporate lobby where Rehoboam lives... There is a showdown where all the parties are there. Caleb makes it into the building. He tries to upload the USB stick. is not successful. It turns out that Dolores has been captured and Serac is basically um, sifting through her memories and deleting them so that he can get at the juicy, juicy Delos data key that she's had hidden. Um, I mean, what happens here, right? Like, there's a fight. They kind of... Um, when all seems lost, um, Maeve talks to Dolores and they sort out their differences. Dolores reveals that her plan is not to destroy humanity, but to let humanity be free. That her plan all along was to get Maeve on her side. It was all 4D chess that she had, like, planned all along. And the final memory she has is basically the USB stick of doom that she... Un- like, Serac unwittingly lets her upload into the big AI ball. Um, there is another fight. All of Serac's goons get killed. Serac is bleeding out. The good guys, in inverted commas, Maeve, and Maeve wins. Caleb is alive. Um, and Dolores is dead, apparently. Like, original Dolores is dead, because all of her memories have been wiped, and she got uploaded into the giant globe. Um, and that was the end of Westworld Season 3. In the post credit stinger, we see that... Um, oh, so, actually, there's, there's another bit which is kind of like... Bernard gets given a suitcase with a Google Glasses thing. He puts on the Google Glasses while Stubbs is bleeding out of the bathtub. And he <laughs> gets... He goes offline, right? We don't know what happens to him. Um we find out the, the scene that we see is that he's covered in dust and then he wakes up so a lot of time must have passed since um he put on the google glasses either that or it was a very dusty room um the other thing is that charlotte hale the man in black well the the crazy man the real man is the human man in black goes to visit the delos um company <laughs> headquarters in saudi arabia or dubai or whatever it is um, anyway, Charlotte Hale hello. Is, hello, are you guys there? Can you still hear me summarizing yeah, this episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, we've just, we've, you've, you've just come back. I'm sorry. We've just, we, we, we're going off my phone's 4G connection because the Wi-Fi has just gone to shit. So, um, so you just dropped out there momentarily. No, it's fine. I'm just going through the, the, what happened with the man in black at the end of this episode. The man in black, uh, infiltrates the Dubai officers and um, Charlotte Hale is there and has a copy of the Man in Black in host form, and the host form of the Man in Black kills the human Man in Black. The end. Shock horror. Um, what did you guys think of the season finale of Westworld? Was it everything you guys thought it would be? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. It probably <laughs> was everything I thought it would be. <laughs> um, okay, I've got a few things to say. The first is that um, Caleb, who's the actor who plays Caleb? Aaron Paul. Okay, Aaron Paul is not good. He's not good on three levels. He's not a good actor, he's not charismatic, and he's not good looking, okay? And <laughs> making him the star... 
Hello? Because he is not compelled. Oh no, don't tell me you missed that whole rant about Aaron Paul. You're going to have to start that rant again. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we okay. got no, to the bit when he wasn't good looking. He and you were good looking <laughs> and making him the star of this show um, next to Dolores was just not a good move, right? Because he can't carry it. Um, I'm not interested in watching him. So <laughs> that, that's one point. The second point is, this show is now completely about the robots. And in, Westfor- in, in Westworld Season 1 and 2, the reason that we cared about the robots, that we grew to, you know, feel so much for them and root for them and get on their side was because they were so human, right? They were vulnerable. They were being treated like crap and they were getting hurt. And, you know, they were killed. They were raped. They were tortured. They... That was what made them seem so human, right? That they could feel all this pain. That's why we we related to them. But in season three, they've actually just become less and less human. Like, you can't kill them. They, you know, you can shoot them and they still keep going. They kind of have complete control over their emotions, basically. And they're not acting very human, which I think has made it harder to actually get on board and care about them and feel invested in them. So I think that was kind of really weird, making them sort of less human in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the problems with the show. Like, we're not we're not going to care about a bunch of robots that can live forever where there are no stakes, right? Like, mm-hmm. even with Dolores being supposedly killed, like, how many times in this season or the whole show have we felt that Dolores or someone was going to be dead only to have them come back again? Because you can do that when they're robots. And even with Dolores's pearl being destroyed, well, Charlotte Hale is Dolores. So, you know, she's Dolores and she only went off on a different path for a, a few weeks right so you know i'm not convinced that they can't bring dolores back so i just think there are zero stakes for the main characters and all the main characters are these robots even the villain serat it turns out in this final episode is being completely controlled by a robot so he's not a real character right he's not a real human that we can care about or be invested in the only real human in the show now is the man in black who doesn't act human in any way. He acts <laughs> like a cartoon character villain. So there's just nothing here for us to care about. Um, and that's really, I think, the essence of it. That's what, why it's just so blah to me. Even what you said, you know, that scene with Bernard visiting mm. his family. I'm like, you're a robot, Bernard. Like, you don't, you don't strike me as human anymore, like he did in seasons one and two. Mm. Because, you know, they've just, they've lost that humanity. And so that scene was just, oh, let me just look at my phone and browse through that <laughs> until the scene is over. It just didn't resonate with me. Mm. Mm. How about you guys? Mags? Yeah. I'm trying to think of something nice to say. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, I, I completely agree with everything that Anna just said. Um, I can't believe there's a season four. Obviously, the post-credit scenes are there to set up season four um, with Bernard coming back from wherever he went to with Stubbs, probably this kind of skeleton in the bathtub <laughs> covered in cobwebs. Um, and the man in black now um, also a... a robot um and then i think at the end they showed a room full of um delos machines creating new robots so maybe that's where we'll see the massive showdown but i just i i can't imagine what season four is actually going to be like i just cannot imagine it um i think my favorite scene in this episode where i think they tried to use it to encapsulate really the the whole message that they've been trying to um, to send this season um, is the scene of Dolores in the field with Maeve. Both of them are back at Westworld. They're wearing the costumes that we and dressed, you know, with hair and makeup in the way that we had known them in seasons one and two. And Dolores explains her plan to Maeve, which is 
not to make the choice and to control humanity, but to give humanity back their free will, I suppose, um, in the hopes that, uh, and it turns out Dolores is an optimist, um, that humanity will choose to see the beauty in the world and build a world from that. Um, I quite liked that scene. And I felt that if only they had done that really early on rather than leaving it right at the end, it might have helped set a bit of direction to the to the series. If they focus more on that and, and putting those little poignancy scenes in throughout the um, season, that may have helped to bring it back a bit. It, it felt like it was it had gone back to the soul of Westworld that we knew of um, in season one, but it was a little too late. Yeah, can Gerald? we, can we before, oh. Jerry, before we um, get Jerry to talk, can we just talk very quickly about that point, about um, how you thought that um, that that scene was... Like, so, like, for me, I, I thought that scene was okay, right? Um, but I guess my issue with it, and I think it's linked to what you said, it's that it feels so alien to everything that has actually happened this season, right? Like, what Dolores has, has says in that scene and her actions throughout the season are completely at odds with each other. It, it's really quite bizarre, right? And so it kind of, for me, reinforces this idea that they had these endpoints, but they literally had no idea how they were going to get from point A to mm. point B. And the journey was just so muddled and confused that even though their endpoints might have been interesting, kind of, like, as concepts, like, the way they got there just didn't make sense at all, right? Like, if you think about it, if, like, at the beginning of this episode, it, like, you're saying to me, actually, Dolores's plan this entire time was to save humanity and to give them free will, yet for the entirety of the season, she's just going around massacring humans with no respect for human life whatsoever. Every time she opens her mouth, she has something snarky to say about how horrible humans are. Um, like, and she also knows that by destroying the system, she's going to just start riots and people are going to start killing each other. She also knows that, like, the system has predicted that humanity is going to annihilate themselves, right? Yet, mm. she has, like, she has the temerity to say, actually, my plan is to save humanity all along. It just doesn't map. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and so totally. I, yeah, I, I think that's kind of like where you were going. And for me, that was super confusing because if they had actually established that and her actions aligned to that sort of belief, then I would be like, yeah, I'm fully behind this. But as it turns out, that scene I felt like was a gotcha moment, right? Where they're like, hey, producers are like, hey, guys, gotcha. Look at this twist. She was on our side all along. It's like, hang on, that's... But, it's not right because none of her actions have been on our side at all. It, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, mm. yeah. Yeah, it, it makes it even more um, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Jerry, sorry I cut you off. No, 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 not at all, Darren. Uh, well, suffice it to say that in my view, this was a piece of shit ending to a piece of shit season. <laughs> and, uh, and I wish I could be with you, Maggie, in terms of thinking that was the, that was, that scene was the one redemptive note in this episode. I think that scene was god awful. Um, first of all, the rules by which that scene came to be are just not explained. That scene takes place in the Matrix because we know that because the, the aspect ratio changes. The, the scene is being shot with an anamorphic lens. How the hell do either Dolores or Maeve get into the Matrix at this point? Yes, Dolores is plugged into Rehoboam, but, like, Maeve is wandering free. It's not as if someone's taken out her mind pearl and plugged it into something. I mean, the only time we've ever seen Maeve in the Matrix is when she was plugged into something as a basic, as a glorified USB stick. So how we get to the Matrix for the purposes of that scene... I don't know. I know the answer. Because Maeve can read minds and Dolores' mind is in Rehoboam. So Maeve can enter the Matrix as a part of reading <laughs> Dolores' yeah. mind. Yeah, we, we, had, we had not seen that of course. at all before. Of it was just not a step. <laughs> so I thought, that, I thought that was absolutely execrable. <laughs> that was such terrible writing. The dialogue was so cringeworthy. Oh, my God. Did this... See, hear these two characters sort of like discuss these abstractions. Um, I mean, 
I mean, you you listen to this, you listen to this to this dialogue, and it's very evident why Jonah Jonah Nolan, Lisa Joy thought they'd be so comfortable writing dialogue for robots as distinct from human beings because they absolutely have no idea how human beings work. I mean, there is you know this notion, uh, the the journey of Dolores that is dis- discovering that human beings actually have free will and should be allowed to exercise that that free will is i think the journey that the writers of the show themselves are on <laughs> they spent they spent the the last two seasons thinking there's not much difference between the robots and the humans and the robots are on loops and then in this season like joan and olin lisa joy probably sat down to break the episodes and they thought to themselves you know what i think i think human beings might actually um might actually intend to do the things they do and might have some free will we might actually have to make that the twist of this season. And so these two people who had not previously shown the slightest modicum of an awareness of human nature have suddenly twigged onto the fact that human beings might exercise a degree of control over the over their actions and have tailored the final grace notes of this season accordingly. I just thought that was awful beyond belief. But, you know, there was there was so much else that was bad about this episode. I mean, in no particular order, one... Like, the final shot before the credits roll is a complete rip-off of the final shot of Fight Club. And, and you're just sitting there going, what is, this, what is this meant to signify? Why do the allusion to the final scene of Fight Club? I mean, uh, the Fight, Club, Fight Club was the story of some guy rebelling against com- consumerism, descending into basically nihilism. And the, the, the ending note, the ending scene... Um, where he, uh, Ed Norton and Helena Bonham Carter stare out the window and see all these skyscrapers being blown up is not so much a, is not really a celebration of that nihilism because, um, for a very brief moment, you see a, a, a massive penis flash across the screen. And so that, the, the sort of ponderous nihilistic celebration of that, of that particular moment is undercut by this sort of satirical note. There's none of that in this episode. So this episode really is glorying in um, all, in basically human civilization being blown up. Yes. In a way that did not apply or was not the case in Fight Club. <laughs> because we don't get a massive penis <laughs> across the screen in the final moments of this episode of Westworld before the credits roll. So I just thought, this is so utterly morally repulsive. I mean, not only have not only have um, John O'Neill and Lisa Joy suddenly discovered that human beings might have free will and should be permitted to exercise that free will, they think the the highest expression of that free will should be people being allowed to blow shit up. I mean, I, I just thought that was that was so objectionable on so many levels. Um, why? Second, the other thing to to object to in this episode: why did Bernard have to meet Arnold's wife? Look, why? How did that serve the story at all? How did that serve Bernard's arc? Did that prepare him anyway for putting on the Google glasses and entering in back into robot heaven? No. What 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 function did that entire story serve? Sorry, I don't I, think it's. So can I can I answer that question? Because I didn't mind that scene, right? But I agree, it was very. It felt out of place in this season. Right, so in my mind, the function that that served was that that in my mind that was the only scene that kind of felt like an older season of Westworld, right, where it was purely a character beat because um, there is a realization I think that Bernard is still on this loop where he has this false memory that's implanted into him that he can't get over, right. So I think the point was that the hosts have these. It's not just really their loops, but their personalities can never evolve because they're programmed with these cornerstone memories, right? That will never be resolved because, like, they're in a park and it doesn't give them the opportunity to resolve them. I guess the point is that Bernard actually has the ability to try to resolve his memory, right? And so the point was that Dolores is giving Bernard the opportunity to evolve beyond his host programming by giving him the opportunity to resolve his um, his initial core memory, right? By going to visit his old wife and talking about their dead son and trying to come to some sort of way to move past that grief, um, or, at, or at least to handle that grief, right? Now, the problem is that this season, Bernard hasn't 
being consumed by that at all, right? It, this scene would make sense if it were the first scene after the second season of Westworld, or they had pre like preloaded something about how Bernard was still consumed with grief and operating on his loop, but that is not the case, right? So yes, agreed that it was out of place. I can't. I understand ex- why they put that scene in there, and I thought that was actually interesting because it was like, hey, actually. Like, the difference between a human and a host, really, is that the host will never have the opportunity, even, to try to work through their um, their core issues. But, you know, get, like, you know, if we give them that opportunity, is there really a huge difference between the consciousness of a human and an artificial, um, artificially made conscious, con- consciousness, right? I think, anyway, that's, that's kind of my ration- rationale for that scene. Hmm. Yeah, Daz, maybe you should take over show running Westworld. <laughs> I just don't think the writers had that in mind. I just think they just thought, "Hey, uh, let's bring let's bring back Lawrence Bishop, Lawrence Fishburne's ex wife, to for a cameo <laughs> in this episode." And uh, like we've given we've given Jeffrey Wright so little to do and so little emoting to do this season that we might uh, sort of uh, give him a chance to show off his actorly skills by uh, by emoting for once. <laughs> I just thought that scene served no purpose whatsoever. And the, the the idea that Dolores, of all people, would send him to Arnold's uh, former wife for the purpose of this particular encounter, I just think is bizarre. How this would how this would feature at all within her broader plan, I don't know. Bearing in mind that her ultimate plan is, I think, for him to put on those glasses and spend what seems to be decades in robot heaven. Um, so, like, sorry, I, I just... Daz, nice try, but I, I don't buy it. Okay. I really don't. Okay. And, like, what is... Uh, look, I, I think Tandy Newton is great in the role of Maeve. <coughs> I think she's been <coughs> so good in, for so long in this show. She's good in other, in other projects as well. <coughs> but it is telling that the producers had absolutely no confidence in her samurai-wielding skills, so that the big samurai-wielding moment is completely happens completely in the dark. Yeah, the action was lame. You yes. made the main action scene was. Yeah. Did they take a, a bite out of the out of the um, Game of Thrones cake or something? I don't know, Bye. but it all it all happens in the dark, so you don't see Maeve killing the shit out of everyone in the lobby at at inside. Did they run out of money? No, well, the, maybe they ran out of money. Maybe they just didn't have time to train uh, uh, Tandy Newton to do all that stuff. Maybe Tandy Newton stunt double or whatever had a sick day. I don't know. But whatever it was, it was lame beyond measure. So even as action film, I, I mean, my I've, I've complained time after time in the, during the course of this season about how lame the action sequences are, and I think we saw another we saw another instance of that. In this episode, not only in that scene, but I think even the big fight between Maeve and Dolores was, again, it just felt lethargic. It just felt slow and lethargic. I think in in a world in which action filmmaking and stunt choreography has been elevated by the likes of the John Wick franchise, or the or if you can't if you can't choreograph but the way that you know the Stahelskis of the the Chucks the Chad Stahelskis of the world can. Then you can certainly use sort of like jumpy quick cuts in the way of Paul Greengrass are uh, the Bourne franchise in order to generate a fake sense of excitement in action scenes. And this series has neither of those. It doesn't have the stunt choreography and it doesn't have the quick cutting kinetic filmmaking. So I thought the action sequences in this, in this episode were pretty lame as well. And that's, that's, that's little Nikita signifying her agreement with that proposition. Um, <laughs> So I think all in all, this this episode, like, it was no more farcical than some of the more recent episodes of the show. But the fact of the matter is, this season has been so bad, and to have this, to have this um, end the way it does, with with like the man in what was the point of the man in black story this season like 100% so he, agree what he, so he's talking <laughs> to the asylum he 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 experiences i think what is meant to be a moment of growth when he kills all his previous selves and besides he's going to sort of save the world we don't know quite how but he says he is and then he's <laughs> off in a in, in in the post credit sequence like 
<laughs> what was what was the point of all that? Yeah. Seriously. Oh gosh, I one hundred percent agree. The whole man in black story was so dumb. Like, what exactly? What was the point of him axing all of his? Um, other selves, because he literally had no growth. He said he was going to save the world, you're right, and, like, what was he going to do? He was just going to shoot his way into the Delos headquarters in You know what happened? They decided in Season 2 that the Man in Black was going to be a robot, um, hence the stinger at the end of the Man in Black and Robot. They didn't know how to make him a robot, hence this season. He just kind of... (laughs) He just wanders around a bit, you know, just d- destroys a few things, beats up a few things, and then he's got a man to a robot. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was yeah. so dumb. Yeah. 100%. So it was so bad. I mean, the way, the way they give him an arc or try to give him an arc in this season and then just totally undercut it by killing him off. It reminds me of the first episode of a show called Oz in which you're introduced to some – to what you think is the main character who's just been sentenced to a high security prison. And the, this, the episode focuses on him and his struggles as he learns to deal with the internal politics of the prison. And then in one of those shocking twists, um, that happened, that happened in these proto HBO shows, this, this guy whom you think, who you think is the main character is killed at the end of the first episode. Like imagine if, They'd done that for an entire season, though. Or, no, no, no. Imagine they'd done that for three seasons. <laughs> they'd given this, this bloke a story. They'd given him an arc. They did it. They executed it poorly. But at, at the very least, at the end, there was some hint of emotional growth in him as he decided to, to slip himself, let slip previous incarnations of himself. And then, having achieved that moment of self Hello? Like murdered by a robot version of himself. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, sorry, you dropped out there for a bit, but I assume what you're saying was that having achieved that level of self-actualization, he. Uh, oh, yeah, he, had, he didn't. He didn't achieve any self-actualization. Well, no, well, no, he actually did it, but I think the writers think he did. So, having given him what they think or what they want us to think is a moment of self-actualization, they then execute him and replace him with a robot version of himself. <laughs> What? Seriously? Yeah, well, the, what really irks me is actually the self-actualization that they think they gave him. Like, he was just as insane after <laughs> his self-actualization. Like, <laughs> it's He's not like... He's been the whole three seasons. He's been the Yeah, the only difference between William at the end of season three and William at the start of the show was, like... Whereas William at the start of the show killed robots for fun, um, William at the end of season three killed robots because he thought it was necessary for saving the world. And do you know um, what is the most galling about that entire storyline, though? I still don't feel like that transition between nice William to horrible William 100% makes sense. Right? Yeah. Like, as in, like, there is so much, like, as in, like, they've kind of given him this thing, which is, oh, like, it's because he got disillusioned because he found out Dolores was a robot, and then so he became a horrible person. It's like, hang on. Like, there's so many steps between the character that was portrayed in, like, um, in season one to, like, what is going on now, right? And they just make zero attempt to really bridge that. It's just like, bang, this guy is a horrible person now. And also just insane. And after his self-actualization like actually doesn't learn anything and I don't really know what his plan is. Okay. I think the story of William is yet another example, perhaps the most vivid example in a sense of how John and Owen, Lisa Joy don't understand how human beings work. I mean, just, just sit back and think about his season one arc, a good guy who turns evil because the robot he develops a crush on is a robot and therefore doesn't actually have real feelings for him. Just think about how stupid an arc that is. Like, what sort of idiot human being <laughs> would, turn, would, 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 develop, would, would experience such emotional trauma simply because his unrequited love for a robot remained unrequited? She's a fucking robot. <laughs> so, so I actually think the seeds of all this 
were planted in season one. I Gerald, think... are you saying you couldn't fall in love with Siri, and if you did fall in love with Siri, and then she kind of malfunctioned a bit on you, you wouldn't turn into a complete evil pathological? Yeah, I, I think I think I am saying that. Oh. Be it Siri, Cortana, or Google Assistant, it, it, uh, a I would not be falling in love with any of them, and B even if I did, they look like Evan Rachel. It, it, even if I even if I did. <laughs> They're fucking robots. <laughs> well, look, I mean... <laughs> so, yeah. so, I just think, seeds of all this were planted in season one. And I know it, it's... it's it, I know that, you know, we, we have devoted some time to asking ourselves why season one was so good and season three is bad. But I actually think so much of what was bad about season three has its origins in the flaws of season one. And let's not forget that season one had a very troubled production because HBO uh, figured pretty early that the people running the show might have no idea what they were doing. And they successfully embarked upon a campaign of surgery and masking the flaws of the season, um, at least for that original 10-episode run. But I think as the show has continued, um, it has become increasingly clear that those in charge of it have have no idea what they're doing and have no business uh, running a multi-million dollar television production. Mm, mm. Yeah, look, I, I think my my impressions are pretty much kind of in line with other people's. I think I'm probably a little bit more charitable on some scenes um, in that I, I didn't mind that Bernard scene. Um, I... I like, in and of itself, in a vacuum, I didn't really mind the last scene with Maven Dolores. Yes, I think it was a little bit... It was poorly written, and it didn't really fit in with the rest of the season, but as a um, scene in and of itself, I thought, yeah, okay, it, it was fine. Like, I think my, my main issues with this episode, it's similar to, like, everything that's gone on for the rest of this season, right? Like, I felt that... Um, the way this this plot was written was like just literally just moving people from point A to point B, right? Like it felt like a really bad video game. I, I don't know how many of you guys play video games, but in video games, you know, you have these missions where you have to fight your way from point A to point B, and that's fine because in the video game you're actually engaged in the action and you're doing something. But when you actually watch that happen in a TV show, it, it's not very interesting, right? And there's no motive, like, the motivation for them to fight from point A to point B is so poorly wrought out that it doesn't make sense. And then, like, it, there's just stuff that in there that is just completely be bewildering, right? Like, I mean, I think the most egregious version of this, there's multiple things, but I'll just point one out. The most egregious thing that happened in my mind was when they fight, basically Caleb is trying to get to the inside he he headquarters, and for some reason he's able to hijack a police... Un unmanned helicopter thing to get to the inside he headquarters it just doesn't make sense like it doesn't mm. make sense like how could he do that like like anyway it, there's I think the the goons you know how like Dolores was hiring all those goons on the app yeah to me that felt very video gamey yeah exactly the fact that Caleb was yeah meeting up with one group of goons and the other yeah. and all of a sudden his friends from the app yeah, exactly. I, I, it was just, and then like right at the end, Dolores says to Maeve, "What are you, the final boss, or something like that?" It's just like, guys, like I get it. It's written like a video game, but you know, the thing you guys need to realize is that writing a TV show like a video game is bad. It's bad. I mean, I think Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, kind of people have realized, like Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, also had that point A to point B style plot that felt like a video game, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work in dramatic storytelling. It doesn't work at all. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was um, that was problematic. I, I think what was really problematic for me in this s season is just this all these riots that are apparently going on because people received this one message that said that their lives were planned out by some machine. It's like. Is this really how humans would act? It looks like, and then they start blowing buildings up, and it's just like, what? What's the end game of this? Like, what are these people really trying to achieve? Like, these riots? Are they trying to burn down the massive globe? It's unclear because the lady that like Caleb meets up with on the streets tells them that they're gonna like 
break into the power plant and shut down the power plant? What are they talking about? Like, what is going on? Right? Like, it, it just feels like anarchy for anarchy's sake. Like, I mean, if they're trying to make the sort of the people who are riding heroic, they've just completely failed. Like, the rioters, it's unclear what their motivation is. It's unclear, you know, like, what are they trying to achieve apart from the fact that... Yeah, so, just... they, so they want to make human beings seem like complete bastards, right? Like, like you can't trust them they're totally going to destroy the world see here they go destroying each other they want to make them seem that way and yet they want to end the season on the note that people will see the beauty in the world and build yeah, something better agreed it's you know just, you can't have it both ways yeah exactly it right sense. yeah it yeah. just is so like confusing what they're trying to go with here right like it's not like you're sympathizing with these people who are like these riders that are apparently fighting for free will or whatever it is it's not they're portrayed as just like rioters it, it's just ugh, anyway it's this is such a confused moral it's very, mess it's very adolescent yes it's very That's adolescent it like. yeah it yeah. you're right that word is the right word it's adolescent right it feels like it's a high school kid who's writing this and they just haven't really thought through the detail of it, right? But they think it sounds cool. But, you know, when you actually think about it, none of this actually falls into place. So, yeah, I, I had a huge problem with that that whole... Um, and I also actually had a huge problem with the way they used Maeve, where Maeve basically just becomes this... <laughs> like, you know, they've turned her from like an interesting character who thought for herself into a goon in a leather bodysuit who wields a samurai sword like what the hell it was just like such a inane use of that character and then like Serac they wasted her yeah they absolutely mm. wasted her right they didn't need to use her and then like the reveal like this sort of reveal at the end which is like everything was kind of part of Dolores's plan that w that was so that really irked me right like it's like oh she was playing 4d chess this entire time she knew exactly what was going to happen just like how 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 did she know that was going to happen like how did you because i don't think she was the one who asked caleb to come and save her in the first place i thought it was someone else who booked caleb in with the app and like you know what so she knew that Maeve was going to be there at the end and so so why did she fight Maeve like it's, it's just like this whole idea that it was this was all planned in the first place and everything was supposed to fall into place none of that reconciles with everything else that has been going on and it feels as Mag said adolescent right it feels like they wanted to wrap up the show they wanted to make Dolores somehow feel like a hero in this last episode so they've just made all this stuff up so it neatly fits into this thing that Dolores is actually a good guy and is a hero and it is completely incongruous with everything that has gone on this season and completely incongruous with all of Dolores's actions and all of her words right so yeah for me that was like for all the like for all the faults of this show, like, that for me is the ultimate sin because nothing fits into place. This just feels like such a... Like, in defense of... I know that Jerry believes that a lot of the issues... There were a lot of issues sown in Season 1, and that's probably the case. But in defense of Season 1, Season 1 did not have the level of, I guess... Did not have the scope. Like, when I say scope, I mean the, like, the sort of the extent of storytelling that they wanted to tell, right? Season one at the, its heart was about a bunch of robots in a theme park who kind of felt like they were on the verge of consciousness, right? And like they were breaking down. In some ways, that scope is very limited. You can tell a relatively tight story. Here, I feel like someone just said to them, oh, don't worry about keeping the story so tight. Just go nuts. And in doing so, it's just like it's just completely gone off the rails, right? Like, the story is not tight. None of the plot beats make sense. All the plot beats are, like, zigzagging all over the place, and then you have this video game story to tie it all together. It's crazy. It's crazy what has happened to this show. Anyway, so, that's, that, that, those were my impressions of the show. I'm, I'm not sure, I, I think you guys would probably agree with me, um, based on what you guys have said. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So is, is there anything else we really want to talk about in relation to this? Well, I, I suppose, Darren, the question is, like, in the, in the pantheon of truly bad seasons of television, final season of Lost, final season of Game of Thrones, final season of How I Met Your Mother... I mean, where where does this where does this sit? Well, this is not the is final this, season. This isn't even the final know, but, season. But, but, but is this is this like does this compare with them amongst the worst seasons of the history of television? Is it is it worse than those seasons? Like, where, where do you think it? Like, is it worse than the final season of Game of Thrones? Well, look, look. The thing with the final right. season of Game of Thrones is that we have our impressions on it on record. So Anna Mags and I have on record that up to about season, episode five or six, we were still <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid. Would you agree <laughs> with that, Anna Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing at I, I, I think I was slightly more sceptical simply because um, the Battle of Winterfell seemed to me to be problematic, not only because you couldn't see it, but because the Night King was so... Lame, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought that was an omen of things to come. Yeah. And I, and I regret to say that I think, I think, I'll, I think those concerns were borne out. Yeah. I think part of the problem is like with the final season of Game of Thrones, you you could see that like the showrunners just didn't give a rat's ass. There was there was such a contempt for the audience in that final season that sort of hey. These, we just want to get out of here so that we can make some Star Wars movies. So we are just going to torch this creation. And so all you people who invested a lot of time in these characters and in this world, all you George R.R. R. Martin fans, all, all you show-only fans, we are just going to set all this alight, watch it burn, and guys, and knock yourselves out because we're out of here. So that, that, that note of contempt, I think, is absent in this season of Westworld. So there wasn't so much, I, I don't think there was a, a, a similar level, I don't think there was any level of contempt for the audience. What, what I think is the vice of this season is just a general cluelessness about human nature, about character, and about what, what the show is trying to say. Because while the first half of the season aspired to say something about the way human beings uh, for the purpose of justifying the way the world is, or justifying the way the the world, justifying the world as they want to see it, uh, create gods. Uh, that that idea was very very quickly trashed and dispensed with. And um, one side of that is the fact that while we are told that Rehoboam is all knowing and all powerful, it is one thing to say that this is a basically a giant computer server that has data on everyone. It's another to, to suggest that this giant computer server controls the world and has mapped out everyone's fates. The fact of the matter is the show never laid any track to explain or even suggest that how um, this computer server actually controlled the life paths of every single individual on the planet except perhaps like the outliers. So it, you, just, you just never understood the rules of the society set up in this season. You, you didn't understand how it is that control was maintained by Rehoboam, and you didn't understand once that once the, the curtain had been lifted and everyone got to see what the Wizard of Oz was, why they reacted in the way they did, simply by descending into anarchy. Like, mm. that, that remains one of the central uh, mysteries of, unintended mysteries of the show. Why would everyone just turned to savagery and rioting simply because they'd been told that so much of their life had been controlled by um, by an app, by, by, by basically a giant app. I mean, you know, if that was the case now, we would all be rioting, rioting simply because Facebook governs the way we live, and as does Google. So um, th there is this disconnect between what what the show runners think human beings behave like and how human beings actually work and, and and so I think there was just a general cluelessness behind the showrunners yeah. um, design for this season although there, and so 
I think you'd have to say in the end then that the final season of Game of Thrones was worse than the pantheon of truly shit seasons of television simply because of the contempt for the audience that Benny F. Weiss um, displayed, a, a contempt which was notably absent from this season. So it's interesting, you, it's interesting you say that because actually while I agree with a lot of your points, Gerald, I would actually say that in my mind it's the reverse because I guess for Game of Thrones I felt like they kept the illusion that the cracks were not fully there until very late. So as an overall season of TV, they were able to keep me anyway um, feeling like, yeah, things are shaky, but things are falling apart until about six, episode six or seven, right? Or maybe five, you know, five, six, five is kind of like when you start seeing the cracks really, but, you know, up to that point you're like, oh, okay, we might be able to get somewhere, right? While with this season of Westworld, I felt like we were seeing the cracks from, like, episode one or two, right? This was not, like, it, the cracks were super apparent, right? And, like, I agree with you exactly, like, I think you've nailed, nailed it on the, like, you've hit the nail on the head, right? Which is, the writing is atrocious. The, the writing and the way they plotted this out, whoever is in their writer's group really needs to pull their head in, right? Because... I think I said this in previous podcasts already, but this show is basically based on there's various key sort of like sort of interesting sci-fi concepts that they want to hit on, but they have no idea how to get there, right? And so they just pin these points down, and then they're like, "Oh, somehow we need to get there, and somehow we need to get there, and somehow we need to have this conversation." But Whatever, right? How that happens, who cares, right? Just move these pieces from point A to point B. Like, I feel like there was a, there was a laziness or ineptitude in the way this, the story was plotted out to make it seem like a human, organic story um, that just fundamentally broke the illusion of this season from, like, episode two onwards, right? I think... I mean, one of the great things about this podcast is that we have things on record. And I think on record, from episode two onwards, we were like, there's cracks in this, right? This building is not sound, right? And I guess, like, I guess, you know, maybe, like, so I would give Betty Off and Weiss credit in the sense that they at least hid the structural <laughs> flaws of the building until, like, later on in the season. This this show definitely, like, I felt the structural flaws were apparent, Um Immediately, I, I think one of the great examples, like as you were talking, Gerald, it, one of the, this example came came to me, right? Which was um, in this final episode, there is a scene where Maeve is having a chat with Caleb. I want no, no, no. Maeve is ha- having a chat with Serac, and basically in this scene, Serac has the kill switch that um, you know that he's able to control Maeve with, and um, uh, Serac basically um, like uh, says to Maeve that she doesn't really have a choice in this world that basically he's God and um, oh the only choice you have is whether you want to go to like heaven or you want to go into a world of my devising right so I mean it's not a very it's a not very subtle way of like that sort of religious choice that you're given, right? That if you live your way according to a sort of the creed that a certain God has laid out, then you'll get into heaven. But if you live it in any other way, then you'll go to hell, right? So I think, maybe I'm wrong, but my sense from that conversation that Maeve has with Serac is that it's meant to be a commentary on religion and how, you know, really religion doesn't give you that much free will because the gods that are portrayed in religion let you live one way and if you don't live in that way you go to hell right a world of Serac's devising essentially right but I thought that was done in such a ham-fisted way right it's like this is a great example of how someone there was probably like hey you know what like um, Serac is like a god and so we should make this commentary on religion and how gods don't give people choices you know, and like fundamentally religion takes away people's free will or something like that, right? Something like kind of like sort of um, uh, inflammatory mm-hmm. and kind of juvenile in that way, right? 
And they just Darren, think that... Sorry? <laughs> I know, I was just going to say, the way you talk about it makes me want to watch it, but I watched it, and it's not as good as you make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but like, <laughs> I guess my point is that I, I agree, it's, it's, not, it's not that clever. It's really not that clever, right? But... I think that's what they're trying to go with. And this is the problem with this season, right? There's a lot of people in the room who think they're really, really clever. That they're like philosophical geniuses, essentially, right? And they put these concepts on the, paper, on the, on the page. Yet, firstly, not all of these concepts are fully well thought through. No one has really debated them on these concepts to really get at some sort of moral or human truth. And for whatever reason, like, like they just... Like, they think that these concepts are really high and, like, deep, and they're like, well, we just need to get them down there, and, like, if we get them down there, people will, will get it. But it's not. It doesn't work like that. You're writing, still writing a TV series. You need the plot to work. You need the characters to work. Yeah, and, and the part, you know, this, this brings to the fore another problem with the show, and a, a very major problem with this season, namely that it just takes itself far too seriously if for instance it was happy being just a sci-fi action show um and there was a sense of levity and wit about it um you you could forgive many of the show's flaws but because it's so ponderous and self-serious and just up its own ass uh you know you react really violently against its pretentiousness so i think this show i mean the final moments of this show could really have used a Fight Club style flash of giant dick simply because that would have that would have injected a note of silliness that the yes. show really, yeah. really intentional silliness yeah. that the show really really needed. Yeah. Um, as it was, there was a lot of unintentional silliness and a lot of intentional ponderousness. Yeah. Um, which was just the wrong mix. Yeah, absolutely. If you are going to do a show that is one hundred percent serious, that takes itself like thinks thinks of itself that highly. You need to make sure that the story and the characters you've written are consistent and behave organically like human beings. And they haven't achieved that, right? And, like, you're right, absolutely. If there was levity, if the tone of this show had fundamentally changed, I actually think we would have forgiven it because at least it would have hidden... Like, it wouldn't have seemed so self-righteous about itself, right? Like, so, yeah, 100% agree, Joey. I, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, Andrew, Mags, is there, is there anything else you guys want to say about this season of Westworld? Are you guys? I'm done. For... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only that. I'm glad it's done. <laughs> well, I would like to congratulate everyone here, the four of us here, for making it through this season and podcasting about <laughs> it. Um, I, for one, like honestly, I found it difficult <laughs> to work up the energy to talk about it. But look, to be honest, I look forward to the podcast more than I look forward to the actual episode itself now. So um, no. I'm glad we had these conversations. <laughs> um, are, are you guys looking forward to the next season? Will you guys even watch the next season? This this is a uh, I think we're going to have to... What do you think? We're going to have to give the first episode a go and then make a, and then make a call? Would we say that? Yeah. Or is it a... <laughs> well, it's yeah, going to be like two years away, right? So maybe we'll yeah. forget how bad the season was by that time. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it would be, put it this way, the season four trailer would have to look amazing for me to want to watch the season four premiere, simply because I think the season just burned a lot of bridges. Yeah. With me, yeah, and I don't think I don't think there's any bank of goodwill left um, in relation to this show. So um, it's got to build up some goodwill again. So which means, you know, some track has to be laid to generate a real sense of ante- anticipation and excitement and goodwill towards the show. I just don't see how a single preseason trailer could achieve that. So I think in my case. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty close to a hard no. Mm, mm. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I'm probably more in Anage's camp. I'd probably just watch it out of interest, like a morbid interest. <laughs> more than kind, of, kind of a hate watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mags. Yeah. Oh. 
Honestly, I think after this, after we finish this podcast of this episode, I'm going to forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll answer that question in two years' time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for joining me to talk about um, Westworld this season. It's been a slog, but I appreciate everyone rocking up every week to talk about it, and I hope whoever's listening has enjoyed listening to us talk about it as well. Um, next week, or the next time we... Uh, convene. We'll probably talk about something else, maybe a Netflix movie. Who knows what will happen with coronavirus? Maybe we'll be actually able to go out and see a movie. I don't know, but we will see. Um, we will be back. Um, so thanks everyone for joining me, and um, we'll see everyone soon. Bye everyone. Bye. Ciao.